who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Les hang out. Let's hang out. And let's talk about what lessons are found. Hey everyone, welcome back to Les Hang Out, the podcast where you should show a little more, show a little less, add a little smoke. Welcome to Burlesque. I can't do the share the way you can, Ellie. Welcome really. to Burlesque. There you go. Thank you. Excellent. That's what I was hoping for. Oh, love from her. the West Coast, I'm Lee Holmes Foster. And from the East Coast, I'm Ellie Brigida. To those of you who've been with us through this whole journey, thank you as always for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're excited to have you here. Here's what's happening this week. This week in Burlesque. This Week in the Lesdom is a place where we can touch base each episode about things going on with the podcast or otherwise. If you want to join our Patreon, we would love to have you there. Our Patreon helps support our independent team, and we also offer all kinds of perks for all of you. So one of the biggest things is our Patreon bonus episodes. The Miseducation of Cameron Post is going to be coming out next week. Um, we also have 11 other bonus episodes that are already out, so you got plenty of content to catch up on. In the greater Les universe, top of our list, top of everyone's list right now, Bottoms is out. Bottoms is out, and we know you are all already losing your minds about it. I have not gotten to see it yet, which is a hate crime. Agreed. Have you seen it, Ellie? I haven't seen it yet either, which is also, yeah, pretty depressing. Ellie and I are both being discriminated against by the universe, Mm -hmm. but we know we need to go. I just, all I'm seeing is people's reactions, responses, gifts, posts, plans for ha- uh, Halloween costumes. I'm already, I'm just already into it. I showed Kelsey the trailer. We're very Love excited. Love this gay as culture. Soon as we, yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as we can get to a showing, we're going to do it. But if you have one near you, it hasn't been released a whole lot of places yet. So you really got to look out for it. If you have one near you, please go see Bottoms in our honor. 
Please and thank you. All you bottoms and tops, go see bottoms. <laughs> and switches. And I switches. Listen. Also, Lee, have you seen this super, super gay photo of Miley Cyrus, Taylor Swift, Emily Osment, and Demi, Demi Lovato? Lovato. <laughs> I have seen it. I've seen the photo. I've seen Miley Cyrus um, talking about the photo. <laughs> so for any of you who have not seen this photo, I, I would like to just physically describe it. Three young women in complete, like, sparkly, sequined gowns. And then we have a fourth young woman who is wearing cowgirl boots, baggy cargo shorts, a cardigan, and two tanks layered on top of each other, and (laughs) is being supported physically by the others. That woman is Miley Cyrus, who said, if you didn't know I was bisexual from this photo... I don't know how you didn't know. So, yes, it, you look super gay, Miley. You're correct. So true. So true. You are all of us in high school going to the prom after party. Listen, speaking of Taylor Swift. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, Who is also think, cradling Miley's back in this picture. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, also, I mean, listen, so funny, Miley, to be like, oh, this photo of me and Taylor and Demi Lovato, if you didn't know I was queer, um, this photo is queer culture. So in keeping with apparently my goal of season seven to bring up how queer Taylor Swift is every episode. <clears throat> Anyways, so Frankie Delacritas just posted this article that they wrote in Cosmopolitan all about Camp Gaylor, which I just You know think what I'm upset in- about is it was so close to me and I wasn't invited. It was very close to you, honestly. Yeah, we got I would be go to Hyannis for Camp Gaylor. <laughs> And I don't even care about Gaylor that much as much as you, but it would be fun to speculate with a bunch of other queers in this like little kind of Cape Cod oasis, you know? Yeah. I love that this is a thing that happened. Um, I hope it keeps happening. How do we go next year? This is what we want to know. Okay. Amazing. Expand. Camp Gaylor is the next lexicon. Like, that's it. If you want (laughs) to read all about it, look up the Cosmo article, uh, Cosmopolitan article. It's great. And it's got just, you know, it's it's very, it's just gay. The whole thing, everything about it is very, very gay. It's gay. And that's what I love. I just love queer culture around this. That's all. <laughs> Honestly, the queer culture around Taylor Swift is better than Taylor Swift being gay. It's so true. I'm that's so it. of the, I'm, listen, this has been a slow evolution for me of the like, oh, that's funny. People think Taylor Swift is gay to like, oh, Actually, they're making some good points to like, oh, Taylor Swift comes out on a near daily basis these days to like, no, they don't actually come out because this it's is actually, too fun. This is kind of fun. <laughs> sort yep. of enjoying this. It's, mm-hmm. it's a good time right now. So I'm here for it. And like the Gaylers out there making all this sweet, sweet content, like keep it up, y'all. Keep it up. You're killing keep it. Up. it. That's what's happening this week. Back to you, Ellie and Lee. Thanks, Ellie and Lee. And we are so excited to bring you our third episode of season seven vixen match and we are joined by a very special guest today ivy welcome hi thanks so much for having me i'm so excited to be here we are so excited to have you here for all of our listeners i'm gonna read ivy's very extensive and incredible (laughs) bio i was loving this ivy is the founder and producer of the les vixens the largest and longest running all queer burlesque troupe in the world. She's a featured performer with countless ensemble casts from the Femmes and Follies to the Dirty Dolls and more. 
She produces and directs the largest and longest-running LGBTQ plus women's weekly lesbian event in the U.S., Girl the Party, and empowers audiences and performers alike to own their sensuality, bodies, and identities. Amazing. <laughs> you do so much. Yeah, it's it's a, a passion. It's a purpose. I think the universe was like, I'm going to give you a platform. It's sparkly boobs, and then you're going to reel people in <laughs> and hit them with of the rest. all the platforms the Lord can gift, you know? Yes, yes. That's God such bless. a good one. Honestly. <laughs> I didn't get quite to the end of this bio, because, but it's amazing that you said leaving a trail of sequins and glitter wherever you go. I truly do, so yes. Mm-hmm. It feels very on brand. Yes. Yeah, you you and my four four year old alike just I'm telling glitter you what, everywhere. I, I play dress up for a living. I've never grown up, so it's fine. <laughs> it's good. It's a great way to be. And for all the girls, the gays, and the the bays the, the and the bays, <laughs> baby. Absolutely. The best way to be. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if I I've definitely been following you on social media for a while. I mm-hmm. feel like did you do events over the pandemic as well that were virtual or no? Yes and no. We did, because I have a troop of 17, we did a lot of Vixen takeovers where we did went live to just talk so people could get to know us better. We could entertain them a little bit. Uh, you know, people get really interested in knowing more about the performers. So that gave us a great opportunity to dig in a little deeper, get a little more serious with it. We wanted to do virtual shows. I did a couple, but it's one of those things where it was really difficult to be a performer the way I am because I'm a very in-person kind of performer. And so doing virtual shows, you know, you end up in pasties, like sitting in your living room with your cats being like, yay. (laughs) And it was just heartbreaking. Like, I just didn't know what to do. Like sitting on my couch in pasties. I was like, this is not it. (laughs) Yeah. The energy level is is lacking. Yeah. Yeah. My cats did their best, but it just wasn't the same kind of energy exchange. And that's really what live theater is all about live performance. And we did our best to try to keep people's spirits up, to be a lighthouse of sorts, to direct them, to give them resources and give them something to hang on to. But we were all struggling so hard. I mean, I perform basically every single week for my entire adult life and then hit a wall, came to a full and complete stop when I'm so used to being on the road four or five nights a week. And terrifying to think, you know, this is my income. This is my creative outlet. This is my purpose in life. Will it ever come back? Is it all going to be virtual? Are we going to be distorted by pixels forever? <laughs> yep. But then no. Well, because you were saying before we logged on, you're doing like 20 to 30 shows a month, right? Like it's yeah. way back. Like it is yeah. Back oh, yeah. hardcore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we started doing shows again. Also, I'm in Florida. So yeah. they were like, <laughs> Who cares? Um, yeah. And so we started back, uh, I think, six months after the pandemic started. So we were back oh, on stage. Wow. Right. Yeah. And I had some really pretty rhinestone masks that we would wear. And then eventually it just went back to complete normalcy and everything opened back up. I mean, we barely closed in Florida. So, you know, we did our best yeah. to be responsible, but also. The the slight silver lining of people pretending COVID's gone, you know, right, like yes. having a job. <laughs> I, I was yeah. like, okay. And and people came back to the shows in full force. I think having that little bit of a break made them really f- feel so connected to performance, to live theater, to, to live art, to art in general, because everyone spent so much time without it. And so there was a kind of a new appreciation for that energy in a room full of people. And so, yeah, I've been I've been super grateful for everything to go back to full speed on the glitter grind. 
Yeah. (laughs) Well, tell. Okay, I wanna. I wanna jump a little further back. (laughs) Okay. How does Les Vixens come to To existence? Right. Like how do? Yeah. How does? How does the queer burlesque troupe sort of get dreamed and formed and (laughs) and made real? Well, so many many moons ago, I saw drag queens and performers in gay bars and fell in love with it immediately. But there was nothing for queer women specifically. And we do love our drag queens. I was raised by a wild pack of drag queens, but there was nothing for women to this day. It's still not a lot for for us specifically. And so I thought this is something that we could do. There were a few people kind of already doing something similar. And I thought I could do that. I don't know why I thought that. I danced like a baby horse and I had no dance training, uh, but just a strong desire to to perform. So I started the Les Vixens, myself and two other performers. And it was the three of us for a while. And then one of the girls, she was bisexual and she got pregnant. <laughs> so she retired. So she, so she retired? She wasn't yes. still dancing. Honestly, like I'm a I'm a singer and like I literally think about like if at any point I'm pregnant, like I will be on stage just like dancing with that belly. Truly, like I don't care. I 100% so agree I would, with that. I'm surprised. Well, <laughs> listen, sometimes they're not, it's not that comfortable, Ellie. Okay. That's true. It just depends. You right. don't know. <laughs> well, and also at the time, clubs still allowed smoking. So mm, it wasn't yeah. the best environment for a belly. I'm like, yeah, sure. yeah. A parasite growing inside of someone else, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, and then I started bringing in other performers. And we started having a rotating cast. And then it took off so quickly. It took me many years to really embrace it as a full business because I loved it so much that I felt like if I looked at it too directly, it would all fall apart. But it ended up just keep going and going and people were eating it up. The fact that it was queer women performing for queer women and there was no gay for pay. It was a fantasy that could actually be real for you. You could actually date these people. And we also understand what it's like to come out and to struggle with our identities and to go on the journey of losing family and friends and all of these things. So when we perform and people see us, we also see them. And so there's a different type of connection than just a dancer on stage. And I think that that's something that we really dug into and found this kind of magical connection with people. And then because I'm a Virgo and a business person, I really started to run it as a producer and to hire the best of the best. And now we have 17 performers. We've been in Forbes magazine. We just won Orlando's number one burlesque troupe for the fifth time. And we have gigs everywhere. I I mean, I'm in New Orleans this weekend and just everywhere. So that's amazing. Like when you say longest running, how many years Mm -hmm. has it been? Do I have to disclose that? <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> You're like, I yes. don't want. You're like, yeah. all right, fine. You don't have to. Yes. Longest an, running. An that's air a secret of mystery. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Share. Yes. That's fine. Uh, that's fine. So. Um, but either way, in the long time that you've been running it, yes. what have been some of your favorite performances or like oh, wow. craziest like places that you've been? To be honest, some of my favorite shows have been in the middle of podunk nowhere, right? Where there's, it's the one gay bar in a tri-state area where no one really knows it's a gay bar but the gays know it's a gay bar and they had to fight with 
the churches that are on all sides of them to get their liquor license kind of thing. Performing in those places, the appreciation for what we do is so high and the audiences never get to see empowered, sexy, queer women doing empowered, sexy, queer things. And so those are some of my favorites. I really love like traveling to the middle of nowhere and shaking my tail feathers for the queer hillbillies. You know, it's my favorite. <laughs> I love that. I'm, I'm like, it's going to be something like super glitzy and glamour, glamorous. No. no and, and, you know, I've, I've done shows all over. I've done shows, New York, New Orleans, everywhere. But it's those little towns that never get to see it. That means so much to me. And the fact that we get to show up and it bring that sparkle train into town. It's like, woo, oh my God. <laughs> do you like, do you seek those gigs out or are they like finding you and being like, please come here? Both. Or a little both. Um, yeah, both. I, as a producer, I work tirelessly to get us into more venues and more stages because in the queer community, well, everywhere, but in the queer community, men are prioritized. So they are. <laughs> I, I, Wild. Well, this is just we were, my experience. We were un, I'm so confused by that statement. I but know. <laughs> I've never heard so, of that. Right. It's especially. It's I mean, especially in the nightlife scene, right? Like, yeah. Oh, never. yes. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Men are never prioritized, and women are always given the best of everything. Mm -hmm. But so I do have to fight for stages for gay bars to even have us come. And even with a whole long list of accolades, there's still a misconception that gay women don't spend money. And so, and there's also extreme amounts of misogyny everywhere, including bar owners. So a lot of bar owners, even lesbian women bar owners are pretty misogynistic. And they also don't understand it's the art of the tease. It's all the tease without the sleaze. It's all the class without the trash. They think that we're just going to come in and do some like dirty stuff, but it's actually art and it's performance and the audiences show up every single time. So even to this day, it's still, I have to fight to get these things. I do have a lot of people reach out and want to bring the Vixens places, but then even then th their budgets are like yeah. non-existent. So, so I look for sponsors and other sorts of things so I can get my girls to these places. But yeah, it's, it's a, a mix of people reaching out, but mostly it's me doing the work 24 seven. You, yeah. uh, we, we have this long running joke about how like, uh, trying to do anything like creative endeavors in the queer community is kind of like, we're all just passing around the same tired $10 bill to each other, you Absolutely. know? So yeah, we feel you. <laughs> we yeah. feel you on that. I loved what you were saying too, because we have an upcoming episode where the concept of gay for pay will mm, come up heavily again. feature yeah heavily feature <laughs> and uh and so I kind of love that love that you brought that up because I think it is something where it's like even something like and I mean I have had a ton of fun at burlesque shows but like there are times I feel like every every queer woman who's been to a burlesque show has had some of those times where you're just like I feel like this is not for me. for me right yeah and and if it starts to feel like maybe they're trying to make it for you you're like i don't it's don't not know working. if your heart's in it though <laughs> like, well, i think what what actually know? is happening there is the male gaze versus the female gaze and oh, i think absolutely right i think a lot of straight women don't understand the female gaze 
they're not conscious that they're getting it. So like Taylor Swift, everything she does is for the female gaze, nothing for the male yeah. gaze. Um, yeah, and so they get it, right? I know. So they get it that way. But performers, straight women performers are sometimes trying to put on a fantasy for men. Whereas queer women, the fantasy, first of all, for me, it's mine. It's not what anyone else wants me to do. It's my my fantasy that I'm giving to you. So for example, I get to reveal things when I want to. So my corset comes off not when you want it to, when I want it to. And so everything I'm doing is for the female gaze. It's through the female gaze. And it's not for men at all, ever. And so I think that's something that changes the game entirely for when queer women are performing. Because yeah. we are we are giving queer women the fantasy that feels empowering, not objectified. And that's because it's through the female gaze. Yeah. So yes. I love that. It's making me think of the um I feel like there's been a thing going around on TikTok lately where people talk about there's like a whole trend where you talk about like, oh, I'm like a, a lesbian ten but a straight like six. You yes, know? I've seen and, that. Yeah. And where yeah. people are like breaking down how <laughs> they're like, it's so wild to me to like see some of these women, like some of these, you know, like lesbians, bisexual women who are like on this app where they're just like I don't understand. They're like, you're you're so obviously a 10. Like, what do you mean somebody wouldn't mm-hmm. call you a 10? And it's like, yeah, because straight men <laughs> are looking for different things. And like, and the, it's a different, it, I mean, like, sure, a different scale, but it's just like, it's a whole different world. It is you know? a different world. Like, it's a whole different world out, out there. Honestly, for so, me. It's interesting because I do perform in some straight clubs occasionally and it's culture shock. And I never think that it's actually going to be that different, but there's overarching like larger themes that play a role in the differences, but there's also nuances, right? Like consent and agency. Those are such nuanced things that in a queer bar, a gay bar, they're so much more acknowledged, accepted, and practiced. And then you go to a straight club and agency and consent go out the window. And it, it's just so interesting. I uh, I did a go-go gig with a company that books their go-go dancers. And, you know, they have like, you know, the kind where they all dress the same, they all wear the same wigs, they all look the same. So they become essentially part of the furniture of the club versus being mm. performers. And so I was, I felt extremely anonymous and I got to watch straight people and the straight culture. And I was like, wow, this is so different. And this is, and and I left being even more grateful to be gay just because wow, the women it is even. wild. Yeah, it, even no, the, it is wild. Right, yeah. I because I also will sing in a straight bar as well, mm-hmm. and like I I sing at like college night, and I'm looking around, I'm like these poor children. I know who it's this terrifying. is. What your adolescence is mm-hmm. like i'm so sorry yeah. to you you need like a david so attenborough voiceover like of your uh, that's what i'm picturing is like you doing this gig and just like kind of glancing around the room mm-hmm. and then you just get this track on top being like the wild hetero male in his environment yeah, really. on a show it feels his like sweat a flies off of his body to attract a mate and you're like oh god <laughs> it's 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 so gross to be honest like the way the women are the way the men are i'm like what the f- is happening? Yeah. And then I go back to a gay bar. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it just, <laughs> yes. it's very different. So I wanted to talk, and you've brought this up a few times, about the empowerment, the consent, the agency. Mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. took a burlesque class in Boston a few years ago. Nice. And I was like, 
the way that people talk about burlesque when they're teaching it is exactly mm-hmm. what, like what you said. Like, no, it's when I want to do this thing. Like, I'm doing this for me. Can right. you just talk like broadly, maybe for someone who's listening who has never been to a burlesque show or like okay. doesn't know what it's like, like what are the rules of burlesque mm-hmm. and like how you do your shows? You know what I mean? Yes. So so there's a few different genres of burlesque. There's like nerdlesque, there's neo-burlesque, there's classic burlesque, and we do we do it all. But so there's some overarching themes within that are the reveals. So let's say I'm going to take my, like, you want to see my wrist? It depends on how long it takes me to take my glove off. Like you don't get to see my wrist until I take my glove off. And then sometimes I'll leave my gloves on the whole show and I go down to pasties and you never got to see my wrist. And that's, those are all choices. So there's never this, it's like I said before, it's never what someone else wants me to do. It's what I want to do. And it's the performance that I want to give. And there's, it's never about, oh, that guy wants me to show my tits. Like if someone yells, take it off and it's a dude, then I won't. <laughs> I'll stay fully clothed for the rest of the performance. And I'm like, no. It's, snaps, yeah, snaps. Yeah. Literally <laughs> only it's it's what I want. Um, and so we're getting a free wrist show right now, though. So like, I know. I, th- I thought I'd be a little hot stuff, stay. listeners. Hot stuff. Okay. Yeah, you see my knee and everything. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should we be paying yeah. for this or? Yeah. No, you get a you get a freebie. We tip through the screen. Yeah, would you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so the fact that we get to like when when we're on stage, it is really truly about what we want and the reciprocity of giving versus receiving. So a lot of performers also walk onto stage expecting the audience to cheer for them, expecting things from the audience. But we more so go on stage as an act of service. We go on to give, to entertain, to titillate, to make people feel something, just like any art. And if they applaud, great, but it's not for their approval. It's because we're just going out there because we ha- we have to perform. We have to give. It's it's not something we choose. It is something that is like within us that we just have to do. And so when we're out there performing and giving to the audience, they have this trust that kind of builds with us when we're out there that is so much more deep as queer people because we're out there and they know we're doing it for them. And that means so much to have something just for queer women. Are you kidding? And so then adding burlesque on top of it, this empowered, fantastical, sexy, glittery, sparkly thing that that is like so feminine. And if you want it to be, it can also be masculine. It can be whatever you want it to be. But to have these glamorized women who are actually gay, it's reclaiming femininity. It's reclaiming fems it's it's this reclamation it's all empowering there's so much consent i never do anything on stage that i don't want to do and there are often times when like men will come to our shows and and want like at girl the party on saturdays which is the largest longest running queer women's <laughs> weekly event in the country we'll pull people on stage to give them dances like lap dances because it's fun and we want to and a guy will will think that if he pays the same that the girl just paid that he can get that and we're like no <laughs> no no sorry about it buddy do, do you not let them up at all or do you charge them like four times as much it, or you I leave would that, just be like no I leave that up to my performers 
um, because like, let's say it's their friend or, or whatever. If it's a flamboyantly gay boy, we might, uh, for me, I just don't, I just don't, Uh, it doesn't, if he has a hundred dollar bill, I don't care. (laughs) Like, I don't care. I don't want to touch you. Um, Yeah. But sometimes. You could not pay me enough to sit on this man. Sometimes what I'll do. (laughs) Exactly. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll take the money and give it to the girl next to him and then take her on stage. And usually guys are like, okay, this works. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So So yeah, yeah. That feels right. That feels on brand. What I love about that too is that it's like quintessentially gay, like sort of like either pre coming out or like early coming out experience, like depending on, on, you know, age, like what age you come out and stuff. But I feel like a lot of queer women Remember the experience of being like, I'm in a locker room and I need to like look at the ground and mm-hmm. only the ground. Cause like, mm-hmm. even though I'm not into any of the girls on my basketball team, like, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea, you know? And so it's like, and I feel like there's always sort of this sense that queer women have of being like respectful of Mm -hmm. other women's boundaries and bodies Mm -hmm. and spaces and it's like it can be the case even even in an environment like burlesque sometimes you know where you're like you're probably not doing this specifically for my gaze right Mm -hmm. and and all, all the other gays gaze sometimes you're like is it okay is it okay to like for me to is that okay and so like there's something about the like going and knowing that there are that like you would have a whole troop up there who's just like yeah actually it's for you Mm -hmm. it's for you that would be like what for us that's something (laughs) that i think is very healing because queer women absolutely gay people have been told that we're predators our whole lives Mm that's so a lot of queer women never want to be perceived as a predator so they are that's why a lot of gay women are afraid to approach other women. There's there's a whole psychology that has been steeped within us, that internalized homophobia, all of that, that we're so afraid of. And at our shows, we give you permission. First of all, it, there there is a consent there. So women can feel like they are, okay, I, this is a consensual thing. They're up here for me. I'm allowed to look. And most times the women are so thrilled to be there. But that's another thing is that they don't react the same way that straight guys react. There's no lewd leering at us. It's like heart eyes. And yeah, <laughs> that yeah. sounds and, right. Yeah, that right. sounds and, exactly and, right. <laughs> and so it's this distinction again, between objectification and admiration. It's admiring the art versus objectifying the woman and women have been objectified by men for eons and men will objectify a woman who is fully clothed walking down the street, walking her dog. So, but women at a show when we're like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to take off my clothes for you. And they're like, for me. Yeah. For you. Guess what? <laughs> yeah. and, that's and, literally like, that's the voice I was just yeah. in. I'm like, for, for us. What's it called? The like puss in boots thing when like his eyes the get eyes all, gets like, a bit, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, well, and also like huh? the, someone will hand me a dollar and their hands shaking. And it's just this really endearing thing. Uh, you know, I've been a part of a lot of people's coming out stories and a lot of people's first gay experience, first gay bar experience. And to give them that confidence, you know, to to feel like they have a space that's just for them where they can explore how they're feeling. They can explore what they want. 
they can be surrounded by other people doing the exact same thing. And everyone is so accepting and loving. And especially because, you know, I host all the shows. So on the mic, I talk to everyone and I say, I ask, where are my lesbians? I ask, where are my bisexual babes? And then I always tell them, hey, you're gay enough. Don't let anyone ever like make you feel like you're not. Because I think a lot of bisexuals, they struggle. I ask about my ace, my pan, my non-binary, my trans babes. And I say, this is your space. This is your home. And then I also talk to the straight people and I say, if you're here, this is a queer space. This is our home. You have to respect it. You can't just be here. You have to be a straight ally. You can't just be a straight person at the gay bar. When you go out there, make sure you're standing with us. And we need straight allies now more than ever. So it's one of those things where when I'm on the mic, people are seeing that it's not just a nightclub. They're like, whoa, that's that's impactful. Wow, she spoke directly to me. Wow, she's making sure the straight people in the room know that this is not for them. Like, wow, this is this is different. This is something that is important and significant. And I feel at home here. And then they come back every single week for months until they get a girlfriend. And then I never see them again until they break up and then they come back out. <laughs> it's, but that it's also like quite accurate. Yes. They don't bring their girlfriends. Like they don't know because they don't they don't go out. They don't oh, leave they, the house. That, that's a, <laughs> sorry, I don't know. That was a dumb question. Uh, yeah, Some of honestly. us never leave our houses ever again, Ellie. Okay. Yeah, that's they, a very they, dumb question. They come out once um, a year for like a yeah. friend's yeah, birthday. Yeah. yeah. Then they leave at ten. Listen, it's so real though because we just we ended we ended our our sixth season with an episode talking about like being ally. Like, what does it actually mean to be an mm-hmm. ally, right? Absolutely. And we're like, just taking up space in a gay bar is not enough, my friends. No. Like, that is not it. And I love that you like take the time to call it out and mm-hmm. be like, yeah, no, actually, like taking a seat that a queer person could be sitting in is like not that's not the threshold. That's not the bar you have to meet, you know? Yeah, I'm like, like you don't just get to look at my A cups and then not vote yeah. for them, bro. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Isn't it bullshit to have to question where your food comes from? At Vital Farms, you can trace your pasture-raised eggs all the way back to the source, the pasture. On the side of each pasture-raised carton of eggs, you'll find the name of the farm where your eggs were laid. And when you look the farm up on their website, you'll get a peek at all the sunshine, fresh air, and open space the hens enjoy. Learn more and find out where to buy them at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit-free. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Hop, hop, hooray! Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? The last thing you want to hear when you need your auto insurance most is... Thank you for calling. Please listen to your list of 46 possible service options. Which is why when you choose USAA Auto Insurance, you'll get great service that is easy and reliable. 24-7 online service for claims, access to roadside assistance, and more. All at the touch of a button. Start getting the service you deserve. Get a quote today. USAA. 
Ability to receive a quote depends on membership eligibility. Membership eligibility and product restrictions apply and are subject to change. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates, San Antonio, Texas. So yeah, you actually so get true. people registered to vote at the we, we actually show. no no we do we actually we, we I have, love it we I'm not have, surprised by that yeah we have yeah. politicians come out we we give the mic to people who are working for our community and we have you know people come out to register people to vote and we do all that because that's the thing about the vixens and me is like I said before the universe gave me a platform that was like sparkly boobs and butts and then was like do more with it and I was like absolutely so I'm here with advocacy mental health you know, pride, feeling comfortable in yourself. So there's so much more to it. And I think that's what people really resonate with. Like, yeah, like my, my dancers, we're all hot, like we're taking off our clothes, but it's just this deeper thing happening that I think changes the game entirely and, and gives people, and the amount of people who feel safe with us, the amount of people who aren't out at home, but come out and feel like they can be out with us. It's just, I'm going to get choked up. (laughs) It's fine. So will I. It's okay. No, because stop. You if you cry, to, Ellie's going to cry. Yeah, I'll be the only person holding it together. It's a big problem. <laughs> no, that I mean, that is amazing that you are doing that. And I think you're right. That is why people are resonating. Because it's like much more than like you said, just like it's the show, it's the art, but it's much more than that, especially because you are a queer troupe. Right. Absolutely burlesque in general I feel like is empowering and then just add the other layer on top of it mm-hmm. is like amazing yes speaking of the the advocacy the using our platform all sorts of other stuff I feel like we we should ask uh on air as well you you recently started your own podcast with a whole I 10 did. episodes Woo! out Yay! congrats yes. Yes. thank you tell us a little bit about how like what was that decision like what kind of you know got you into that mind space and what are what's the goals for for that okay buckle up babies so (laughs) so when I first started performing I was at first just sharing hot photos photo shoots performance stuff and then I started sharing more about my journey and my posts started to become my friend calls them therapy thirst traps so my captions wouldn't just be come to our show it would be you know internalized homophobia. It would be talking about feminine visibility. I, ha- I had more of a message to share. I always have. And so being a performer gave me the platform, gave me people starting to listen. And then I started having people tell me they came out to their families because of me, that they were going to kill themselves and they found us and now they're sticking around, that they got into therapy because of me. They started journaling because of what I posted. They you know, got out of a toxic relationship, that they realized that they're a lesbian, that they, all of these really incredible things were happening that just every day shocked me because I would say every single day I get at least one message that is so unbelievably beautiful and meaningful and like significant about my impact, the Vixen's impact on someone's life. And over the years, the, you know, the mediums changed and then TikTok came around and I really wanted to do more with that. But then of course, TikTok is such a challenging platform because you could put all this effort into something and no one sees it. And so I kind of had to start to shift where I was going to put my energy. And it was like a whisper that started several years ago because I used to have a YouTube channel, which I still do now for the podcast, but I used to do vlogs and then tea talks and then 2020 hit and 
everything stopped just because it was so overwhelming. But there was this whisper, like, start a podcast, start a podcast. You can just talk. You can go more in depth. People who want to listen will listen. Start a podcast. And and then it just got louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. And I I don't have a lot of time because I'm on the road so much. But it was one of those things where I just couldn't not anymore. I just, it got to the point where every journal entry was start a podcast. And I'd wake up every day being like, start a podcast. You have so much more inside you that needs to be shared. And people at this point trust you and they're going to listen. And so then I eventually this year, I was like, this is the year. Literally every like New Year's resolution was start a podcast for like the last like, three or four years. <laughs> so 2023 was it. And then I just kind of jumped in and it's been really great. It's been heavy. It's been fun. It's been a lot of work, but the response has been really, really great, really cool. Having people come to my shows and tell me, oh my God, your podcast. I love it. I keep going. Don't stop. This is great. This is what we need. You know, having people leave comments. And so it's again, furthering what I feel like my purpose is. Uh, and if I didn't do it, I feel like I would, wouldn't be like living my purpose. I wouldn't be and sharing I feel more. like we should say it's called Tea and Glitter. It's oh, yeah. A, if you want it's, to look it up, everyone, <laughs> yeah. Tea and Glitter, the podcast. Tea and Glitter, the podcast. Yeah, which is basically like my life because I have this very balance of nerdy, like I'm at home with my cats and my plants and I'm drinking my tea and I'm journaling, I'm taking care of my mental health. And then later that night, I'm going to go on stage in front of a thousand queer women and be in leather and, you know, a whip. And so Tea and Glitter, it's just, just this really... The perfect combo for me, you know. <laughs> so, love the it. two sides of the coin that yeah, make up Ivy. There exactly. you go. And you def- and and it's acknowledging the shadow side, and it's acknowledging that you don't have to be like you. You could be a multifaceted person, not just the the person that they see on stage. Yes, exactly. And that is something that I have always been. Once I started performing, it was a, such an immediate connection that people had to what I was saying in just an Instagram caption. So it's been wild. It's been cool. What have been some of like the favorite topics that you've covered that you feel like it's like there was no way you could have adequately covered it just like talking in an Instagram or TikTok video? Internalized homophobia, femme invisibility, defining your queerness was one that I really was into. uh, Mm, Love that. Yeah, because I feel like some people sometimes just need permission to explore, to not based on the way they look, fall into a certain role. Uh, so that one was really interesting for me. I have, a, I have some coming up that I'm, I'm excited about, like the male gaze versus female gaze and things like that. Yeah. So it's just where I can go Feel deeper. That. Mm-hmm. Feel that. And it's just you, right? Like it's just like you're, yeah. you're just sitting there talking about I, your thoughts. I'm just sitting there. My cats join me occasionally. I do want to have guests on. So that's going to be in the pipeline. Um, there's a religious trauma episode that I'm interested in doing, and I'm, I want to have a guest on for that. I'm debating. I have a few people I have in mind. So uh, there's it's, a, I know you were saying, though, like, it's a lot of work to do mm-hmm. the podcast. It's great to, like, start with just yourself. Just, like, yes, just yeah. doing it yourself, mm-hmm. getting the episodes, like, edited and up and, yeah. and posted everywhere. And, like, and then dive into 
<laughs> right. Bringing the guests on because I know, I mean, I, I can say from the comfort of Ellie does all of our edits, but like it is, I know it's more work, you know, when we have mm-hmm. more people on. So yeah. Yeah. yeah one I, audio track versus three is a, is a difference. Right. Yeah. 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 That's why I haven't, everyone's like, when are you going to bring guests on? I'm like, at some point. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> yeah. It's a good answer. That's right. a great answer. Yes. Yeah. Keep an eye out. <laughs> Still very, very cool. Let I want to talk briefly about, and maybe honestly it won't be that brief because it is a lot about <laughs> femme invisibility because I feel like Perfect. that's something that you talk a lot about. Mm-hmm. Will you just like, what are your thoughts on yes. femme invisibility in the queer community? Yes. Well, I think that femme invisibility, it's such an interesting, complex topic because heteronormativity, because of internalized homophobia and the idea that femininity and masculinity are owned by heterosexuality. And so the idea of a woman looking feminine and femininity being something that men are supposed to want, but to reclaim that for women, the idea of being a feminine woman to being a femme, which is an identity to want nothing to do with men. And all of your feminine characteristics are now for women. I think that that's so beautiful. And I think a lot of times uh, we like masculinity, the idea of it, I think it's early lesbians leaned into a more masculine style as a way to one, separate themselves to let other people know that they were queer, but also because it aligned with what was quote unquote allowed to be attracted to women like men, right? So to dress more like men, to look more like men so that they could, you know, have their identity feel more congruent with their outward appearance. But I don't think we need to do that anymore because we shouldn't just be, there shouldn't just be one way to be gay, one way to be a lesbian, one way to be queer, one way to be allowed to be attracted to women. Um, I think, so reclaiming the idea of femininity, not being for men, not being for the male gaze, but being for women, I think is really, really empowering. It's really huge. And I'm not a masculine person. You know, I have resting nice face. Like I'm just a girl's girl. I <laughs> resting nice face. I've literally yeah. never heard that term before. <laughs> yes. Uh, my friends say that I have resting nice face. People come up to me all the time and talk to me. I'm like, okay, I'm an introvert. Leave me alone. Um, but I never wanted to be more masculine. When I came out, I did not want to cut my hair. I didn't want to wear joggers. I just wanted oh, to. They're so comfy, though. I know. I, I was like, I, we just I, got. I know. I know. Here's the thing. No, I am, so it's, fine, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I am a comfort queen at this point, so I don't dress up as much as I used to. But it was that thing that even if I was wearing joggers, I still look feminine. And I yeah. didn't want to have to be something that was other than myself because femininity and being femme for me is not a heteronormative thing. It's just very intrinsic to who I am. I have a very... I have some masculine energy. I'm very dominant. I'm assertive, but I I have a feminine energy that I want to honor and not have to remove because I'm not supposed to be, I'm supposed to be for men, right? Like if I'm femme, I'm supposed to be for men. Like I don't want to have to change myself. I want to rather change the world. (laughs) So I appreciate that. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, we've talked about this before on the podcast because like I'm much more femme presenting than Lee, like on the spectrum, I would consider myself femme as well. And I think there's like a big part of it, like you were talking about, where it's like, at least when I first came out, that was a bit more like, but I don't see people who look like me who Mm -hmm. are queer. So like, does that mean it took a long time for me to figure out that I was? Right. 
because I didn't see that representation out exactly. there. Exactly. So mm-hmm. I also personally really appreciate femme representation in yes. the queer community. Yes. Of like, yeah, I am super super queer and I look like this. Exactly. And like, That's another. You thing. could also be that. Oh, just my my whole troop is mostly femme women. Yeah. And so. And all of them are gay as fuck. And so having that representation, I think, is really cool because you see masculine lesbians represented in media, on social media. They're the ones who get most of the attention on social media anyway. And so to have feminine queer women being out and proud and loud and gay and not an nothing for the male gaze, totally reclaiming that, you know, representation is huge. I didn't have that growing up. And... To be that for other people is great, but to also encourage people to lean in and explore because some people do feel more comfortable being masculine and they, they, that is totally okay as well. You know, you don't have to lesbians, femme women, we're, we are just as revolutionary as mask lesbians because we're, we're, even though we pass quote unquote as straight, straight people out there, we're still fucking shit up by flipping that script and being gay, <laughs> yeah. like looking yep. quote unquote straight and then being gay. It's, it's a mind fuck for the world. And I love that. I love that. But you know what, you know, what has been, it's been on my mind a lot more lately because Kelsey, my wife has, she's been doing a lot of like clothes shopping, like just trying to find like, what do I, she's notoriously like terrible at ever going shopping for herself. Mm-hmm. And we've gone through like a whole pandemic now where I'm like, okay, you have like a pair of jeans you, like we gotta go shopping you gotta get some stuff right and so and it's been bringing up a lot of this like what style like what is my style what does she want to mm-hmm. be wearing and like all this stuff and so I've been thinking about it a lot because she's very concerned because I most commonly when we go out together I get misunderstood as a 14 year old boy <laughs> and so <laughs> and so she's she's like you know, she's like, no, I'm starting to like get more gray. And she's like, everyone's going to think I'm your mother. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. I'm like, I think I said I said this to her the other night. I was like, I think you just need to like land in a slightly more queer style and then no one will think that. Right. Right. Yeah. And she was like and she's like, yeah, but I'm not like she's like, I don't have your style. And I was like, no, no, not in like a not in like a my style way, just in like I'm like, you can have the style you're going for and still have it be very gay like it's there is like it is a distinct to me these days like I feel like femme like queer style is like so actually very different from like cishet femininity Mm -hmm. right it's like it's a totally different ball game and what I think is funny is that like we talk all the time about like because Ellie and I have been saying this for years is that we're like you know you don't see a lot of them in media but actually if you think about it like that's not totally true like there's a lot of especially like the the going back like a lot of characters and a lot of like queer like you know people in shows and stuff have been feminine but i think the problem is that like we forget they exist because they didn't read us queer right well, and like that's they're straight actors playing because so it's well, like they and, put but it's, two it's straight so girls many together things. it's and like, like yeah it's these like these are you lesbians have, you have unquote. straight actors being dressed by a straight costume team Absolutely. being <laughs> filmed by a straight director and yeah and so it's like there's so many things where i'm like it's funny because i get it on its face like that is a queer femme character but it's not (laughs) it's not what we're talking about like I think you know we're we're talking about something that's like 
so it's like just so different yes Mm -hmm. it's so nuanced and it's so similar but not you know it's like it's kind of like that but also it's totally different than that in ways that are really hard to explain and i think that get back to sort of the same things that we were talking about at the at the at the top of the episode where it's like yeah it's not it's like it's leaning into like so much of the femininity but not in a way that has anything to do with men (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know like it's not for them it's not I don't know. It's a different thing. And I just I kind of I love that because we do say that all the time that we're like, yeah, there you know, you don't see it in in media. And I'm like, actually, if you go back and name like most of the top queer characters on television from like 2005 to to 2012, like actually a bunch of them were very femme. They just weren't queer. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the that's the thing, because they were either written by straight men, written by gay men written by straight women. Right. So there's never a lesbian or a queer woman having a hand in it because then when when that does happen, you're like, oh, that's a gay woman. You, you know yep. it immediately. It, it's more believable because it's more authentic. But that's why we do what we do is because, you know, you can have dancers. And, and when I first started, yeah, there were some girl dancers in the gay bar, but they were straight girls. And so – that's yeah. not it. You can tell. You can feel the difference. There is a different energy. Queer energy is unique. It's nuanced. It's the feminine. It's the female gaze, which most people don't understand the difference between male gaze and, fe- and female gaze. But that's the exact thing you're describing is that you're seeing lesbians through a male gaze. It was never yeah. through a female gaze, especially in the 2005 to 2012 era that you're oh, talking exactly. about. Oh, exactly. But and you put a little dyke on your screen and like suddenly you're not putting them up there for the men, you know, like so right. they they stood apart. It was different. Like, and that's a, yeah. that's a good that's a good point is that a lot of times when there would be a lesbian femme, a, a feminine woman who was supposed to be a lesbian on a show, it was still the male version of what a, a lesbian femme looked like. There was never someone yeah. who was kind of mid-range. It was either a bull dyke or a porn star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yes. know? And and I do yeah. think all, I do think also porn plays a role in femme invisibility because when you have mm-hmm. two femmes who are quote unquote having lesbian sex, it's actually just two straight girls. So then still the idea of feminine lesbians is still for men. Does that make sense? Yes, completely. And, I mean, we talk yeah. all the time when yeah. you see sex scenes in movies where it's like mm-hmm. sometimes it's just so obvious. I just, that you're just watched like... Blue is the Warmest Color again the other day. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we're doing an episode on it. So I had to watch it again. And I was like, oh, my God, this sex scene is clearly by a man. Like It's it shocking, isn't it? Wild. Like, I forgot how. Is the in- sex scene in that? But who directed Blue is the Warmest Color, though? It I haven't looked it up yet because we haven't recorded it. It's highly problematic, but we'll talk oh, about well. it. We'll talk about okay. it. Okay. He treated the two main actresses like so horribly. They like have spoken out about how like horrific it was to film that sex scene. Like, no intimacy choreographer, choreographer like horrible shit. But you'll hear another. all about it in yeah, our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious when you are out in the wild. Are you mm-hmm. perceived as queer by other queer people? I mean, I guess you're so like publicly queer that right. probably you are. But like if it was someone who had never seen any of your shows or like just saw you as a person. Okay. So here's something that I do. I do like Easter eggs in my styling. So I'll wear a lesbian flag scrunchie or I'll wear, you know, a little sapphic necklace or something like that. But unless it's a queer We be woman, flagging. Yeah. Literally, yeah. Unless <laughs> literally a- flagging. Even when I'm wearing like my docks with a sundress, other queer women kind of go, hmm, 
maybe. And um, (laughs) they're like, they're starting to like, it's like these like spidey senses that kind of pick up. But I will say that I get approached by men all day, every day, regardless. If I'm wearing my vans, like checkered vans with rainbow socks and whatever, I'll still get approached by men because they're not, they don't read those as, as queer. They see woman, mine, I'm allowed, like this is, I'm entitled Mm -hmm. to this space. So I just have to say only because you brought up Taylor Swift at the at the top of the episode, and I'm apparently just incapable of not doing this every episode this season. This is what it is for me this season, Ellie. Welcome. Welcome T-Swift. back. Yep. T-Swift. I did my JoJo Siwa season. I'm in my T-Swift era. <laughs> no, but it's actually not even about Taylor. What I think is so funny is as someone whose TikTok is, is a lot of gaylers, mm-hmm. the amount of work that people will do to uncover every every single little little hairpin drop that that she could possibly mm-hmm. come out with bring that energy to like regular life gays like you can yeah you the know like what? gay investigation like <laughs> yes. the l word episode yes where lesbians they're like, if you she gay or not if you see like a cute femme girl at a bar who has like a clearly sapphic necklace like it's probably on purpose Right. Probably on purpose for her too. Okay. Like if you can see it on Taylor, you can see it in other people. That's all I'm saying. The bigger problem is the men. Men read the rainbow socks. I wasn't even gonna bother Ellie. I wasn't even gonna try. All the men who are listening to our podcast. (laughs) Yes. We know there are some. Now you know how how to identify. We know of at least two. If yeah. those two men are listening to your podcast, they already know how to they clock know, it. So, they know. Yeah, they, they know. They yeah, 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 they're fine. But, yeah. <laughs> but I will say it, it comes back to that idea of feeling like a predator because masculine yeah. lesbians are clearly marked as gay. There's less risk that they're going to be a straight person. And so it's easier to approach a gay looking woman. And I say gay looking, you know. As hey, some masculine. of us are yeah. just teenage boys out here having a good time. Okay? Well, that's <laughs> also something <laughs> that... I don't know your life, my friend, but I bet you get approached, uh, you know, in different ways. No, I'd have to leave my house. See, it yeah. doesn't, oh, it just. Uh, well, yeah, I, I forget about that as well. Yeah. But that that's the fine. thing. I, I think a lot of queer women see gay girls out in the wild who they might suspect are gay, but they're so terrified of being seen as a predator or being seen or to make women uncomfortable because we as women have been made so uncomfortable by men for so long and that we would never in a million years want to make another woman feel that way. So all we do is try to telepathically (laughs) get to them. Like I'm gay too, or, you know, say, Oh, are you getting a matcha? (laughs) You know, like it's so true though. It's so true. Like I have a friend who is like newly gay and we have, we're having this conversation literally yesterday where she's like, I'm so scared. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know how to approach women. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, honestly. Like, you sort of have to go into a queer space. On my on on my podcast, um, I just did the girlfriend episode, part one and part two. And part one is all about that, how to approach women, how to flirt with women from a professional tease, um, how to spot gay women, you know, where to go to find them. Because you know, I also have a degree in ad- advertising, public relations, marketing, and women's studies. And when we were discussing how to target queer women, it's like they're everywhere and nowhere. Like, do queer women go to the beach? Yeah, of course. Like, are they at the grocery store? Of course. But there's no, like, other than the gay bar, there's, like, or queer events. It's very difficult to find them. But there's, like, plant stores, bookstores, coffee shops. There are some things that we really do lean into that we, we feel safe at and we love. But, yeah, it, it is that 
you know, eye contact is huge. If someone it's, holds eye contact for a little bit longer than the normal beat, they're probably gay. <laughs> so, you know, because that, that's like you're like, least... did somebody catch your eye? That bitch is gay. OK, just go for it. Well, Honestly, for however... it's true, though. It's true. It's so. No, I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> I'm just saying it's like it's there. The detective work required is actually pretty minimal. <laughs> well, I. I disagree. I think it takes immense amounts of courage. And, and even though we are, the thing about the courage Taylor Swift is, is not the same as, as I think you can know that they're gay, work. but yes. going up to them is the most difficult part. Well, You're and correct. The, the thing about Taylor Swift is that chances are no, none of us will ever meet her. So she's safe. She's yeah. like a safer thing to kind of experiment like, wow, those jeans look gay. And then if you see those jeans out in the wild, you, you know, <laughs> Listen, so, if you see that outfit with the jeans in the wild. Yes. Also gay. Also gay. gay OK, right. it's yeah. not a question. <laughs> but that's the thing with Taylor Swift. It's so much it's it's safe and it's fun and it's a, a hopeful thing because she's such a superstar. And, you know, Beyonce could not be gay. There's nothing lesbian about Beyonce. Like we love her to death. But but so that's why. Gay women don't do the same thing for her. Taylor gives off some queer energy. There has been, you know, Easter eggs. There's been the hairpin drops. There's been nods to it. There's been lyrics that we can delve into. But we're so desperate for that as queer women to have any kind of major representation. Someone that we idolize so much, like the idea that they could be queer is so in our our souls. We crave that so much because then it gives us permission. It makes us feel less alone. It makes us feel like if that person who is such a huge superstar could be bisexual, could be queer, then, then maybe I shouldn't hate myself so much. Maybe I could be gay. So it's, we, we really just crave it so much. And that's why I think with Vixens, you know, we, we give that on a smaller scale, but we give people the permission to, if we're out and proud and happy and there's not enough queer joy, you don't see enough adults like actual gay people being happy out and about. It's always, oh, we're getting this bill against us. And we're having this bill. So that's why I'm all about the queer joy and letting people know you can you can be gay and happy. You can be gay and healthy. You can be gay and a performer. You can be gay and whatever, fill in the blank. There, it doesn't, gayness does not negate it. And I think that's why Gaylor is so important to us because she gives a, if, if she is gay, then wow, like imagine how much acceptance we would have for ourselves kind of thing. Yeah, the possibilities are endless. The world is our oyster. You know? I love how this episode has ended in Has ended on Gaylor. I fucking <laughs> am dying right now. No, but I think I think the takeaway, I'll, here, I'll Lee, wrap us back around, right Ellie. I'm so sorry. I'll wrap us back around to like, I think the reason that we were so psyched to have you on, Ivy, is that, you know, we say all the time, like we want people to live their best gay lives and find mm-hmm. that queer joy and you're just making so many places and opportunities for people to find it. And we love to see it. That's all. Yeah. It's, I, we don't need Gaylor, do okay? You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually have I have a costume that's similar to her vigilante one that I do was working it. on. And then when she came out with the Eras tour, I was like, oh, perfect. So I've been performing to vigilante and people lose their shit. Oh, I bet. It's yeah. a gay woman. Oh, I bet. You know, it's, it's wild. So super fun. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Immediately. Amazing. Well, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners before we head into our Q&A? I'm sure you have plenty of shows coming up. Like, where can people see Les Vixens? Where can they find your podcast? All that fun stuff. All that fun stuff. My Instagram is at Evelina, E-V-E-L-E-E-N-A, which is my legal name, which why? But, you know, 
I should have branded myself better, but Ivy Les Vixens, Les Vixens Burlesque, L-E-S, like lesbian. And we are a little bit shadow banned, so you have to type out Les Vixens Burlesque, figure out how to spell burlesque, you'll find us. And <laughs> Get uh, a dictionary. <laughs> yes, you got this. And uh, lesvixens.com, where we list all of our shows. And we do travel. We're on the road a lot. So, And then you can find my podcast. Come to the Bay Area. I absolutely will. Honestly, we're looking at the West Coast, so do it. You're, you're, my, you're my in. So, yes. but you never leave your house. So yeah. I don't, but I will for <laughs> that. Yeah, I it'll would be for that. Okay. I said, I said, couples leave their house one time a year to come to the gay bar, and that'll be when I'm there. Yes, that's <laughs> we'll it. get for the now. grandparents to come babysit. We will leave our house for it. Okay. I can't wait. Um, but yeah, so lesvixens.com and my podcast is Tea and Glitter. I'm on Spotify, Apple, and then I put up videos of me talking on YouTube. So Tea and Glitter there too. So many opportunities. <laughs> EIV everywhere. Amazing. Yes. Let's head into our Q and Gay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Q, 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 and, 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 and gay. gay. Question number one. What would be your burlesque persona? A, the showgirl, B, the vixen, C, the ingenue, or D, the femme fatale? Mm. Or the you vixen. can fill in another one. The yeah, vixen. definitely the, the vixen. Or all of the above. Or Anything. Of the above. <laughs> Any, yeah. uh, truly, in, in one show, I will hit all of those. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> nice, so one, nice. one act and I'm covering them all. <laughs> okay, question two. What's your go-to medium out of A, YouTube, B, TikTok, C, Insta, or D, podcasts? Instagram, probably. TikTok, I lose my entire day. It scares me the way that just sucks me in. And um, yeah. That's fair. Yeah, it so is Instagram is easier to detach from. <laughs> so safer option. All right, question number three. Describe your dancing style. A, baby horse, B, honey badger, C, fainting goat, or D, water snake? Baby horse. I literally said that on my podcast I know, today. I know you did. It's why I, it, well, you also said it here. It's why I wanted to, I yeah. it inspired the question because it made me laugh Honestly, so much. <laughs> baby horse, baby horse dad at a barbecue. I'm gonna, uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. I love nice. it. You have no yeah. idea. It's incredible. I have no idea why people come see it, but. They eat it up. So. <laughs> I, I basically kept replacing questions we had written with these because I was they were making me laugh while we were chatting. Oh, I love that. So <laughs> question four on that note, what's your flagging tip off? A rainbow scrunchie, B mm. nail polish, C sapphic necklace, or D I'm gay shirt. <laughs> God, it it's gotta be the scrunchie because I just I can change it out. It could be rainbow, it can be the rainbow the lesbian flag, you know. I've got options. So I nice. love it. I we have a shirt that says hip hip I'm gay, but like the hip hip is super small and it just says I'm gay and Oh, I letters. love that. And I wear it like I usually will wear it to bed or whatever. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm walking my dog and I remember that I'm wearing a shirt that just this says I'm, I'm gay. gay. And like my old neighbor, I mean, it doesn't matter. They all know we're gay, but like yeah. my old neighbors are like, good morning. And I'm like, good morning. <laughs> I love my that. gay shirt. <laughs> I have a shirt. I have a shirt that says sounds Hello, I'm in. Yes. yes. Nice. Yeah. I love that. I like I that one that a lot. Did you make it? No, actually, a, a tr- like a group that started in New Orleans, queer women's event called Her House, which is where we'll be this weekend. We're doing a Vixen takeover with them. Um, they started some really cool merch, and that's one of them. And they gave it to me last time I was there, and I was like, hell yeah. Nice. All right, question number five. Have you ever danced in a burlesque show? A, yes. B, in private. Or C, no, but I'd like to. No, but I'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds Never. like you 
really should think Never about heard it. Of yeah, it. I don't know heard, if you know? anyone's told you this, but this I feel is, like yes. you'd you'd do great. You this know? is something that I'm I'm really heavily considering starting. Yeah, good, good, good. <laughs> Hit us up if you do. You know, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Hit us up when you're the longest running uh, queer burlesque yeah. show I'll yeah. just, in the yeah. world. I'll just send you the video of me doing it in my living room, like with my cats. So <laughs> yes, <there you> please. <laughs> Love it. And listeners, remember, you can give us your own answers to this episode's Q&A questions on our Twitter at Let's Hang Out Pod. Ivy, thank you so much for hanging out with us. I had such a blast. Me too. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was like when you reached out, I was smiling for like a week and a half. And I was just Yay. like, wow, <laughs> I can't wait. So I'm very happy the hurricane didn't mess with us. So hooray. Let me hear you say hip, 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 hip. We love hearing from all of you and we love continuing to build this community. So we just want to shout out some of our favorite things every episode. Um, and we want to start with shouting out some people on Instagram. So starting with Starfleet Captain, who reached out, A, saying, you know, love that they're loving the season. I it's we know we're doing a couple different things this season, and we've actually gotten a lot of feedback from people who are, you know, enjoying the the sort of new stuff and new where we're branching out and what we're doing. So it's always, it's really good to hear because we know that it's a little different than usual. You know what they say, Lee? Like the best art is made in constraints. <laughs> yeah, we're hitting that. So we're doing we that. We are in constraints and we are making art. There we could call go. it art. So thank you for reaching out. And also they had a guest suggestion who has been on our list. And so we, it's great when people suggest people and we're like, oh, yes. Absolutely. Reminder, please reach out. It reminds us and moves them back up to the top of our list. So anyways, that was just good, good, good. Secret, secret guest suggestion. You'll see who it is when we have them (laughs) on. Also want to shout out on Instagram, Kate, who recently joined our Patreon and also reached out to say that she loved our discussion about discovery at any age. It was just nice to hear that we have listeners at all ages who are feeling very affirmed by she came out at 37 and she also said that she wasn't closeted. She was just clueless. And I actually love that because I feel like it is sometimes it is like you didn't quite realize it. And then one day you're like, wait, what the hell? This is it. Yeah, I'm gay. So it can happen at any time. You know, it, it can just, hit you it, like a bolt of gay lightning, you know. <laughs> OK, final shout out. Uh, we love a correction. Shout out to Vibrator Problems on Twitter, who was there to remind me that Neil Gaiman did not write Discworld. That is, of course, Terry Pratchett, which, you know, listen, sometimes sometimes you're in the heat of the moment and your mouth is working faster than your brain and you just, you know, you say some stuff. It's not all correct. That's that's all. That's fine. It's there's a, there's a whole lot going on in my brain sometimes. They did write good omens together, but um, they are different authors. They're, they are different. That. They're different. Yeah, yeah. Um, should we like ADR your voice? <laughs> yeah, in we'll on go top. back and fix it. No, no. <laughs> hey. I think more people should get to make the correction and tell me how wrong I am. That's always great. Um, thank great. you for anyone else who wants to correct me. Very good. We were testing you to make sure you're really listening yes, and paying attention. Right. Good, good catch to the show uh, on that. Great test. catch. Great catch. So yes. Yeah, so shout you out to T-shirt. Problems. <laughs> stop stop talking ellie stop saying things <laughs> great catch and also thank you for all the other suggestions again love getting some ideas for other other topics and things we can cover for should have been gays this season um a plus work everyone we're all doing great as always we would like to thank our lesbian jesus patrons mark foster tanya ferguson alana rosen lizette stye Katie benitez fiona w and sophia phillips and our king princess patrons amy and ellen 
Leah Henley, Andrea Doucette, and Julia Gonzalez. Thank you all so much. We cannot continue to make this podcast and support our independent team without you. Remember, you can also find us on all the social medias. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Les Hangout Pod. You can email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. You can check out our website at leshangoutpod.com. Whatever app you use for podcasts, make sure you subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes drop. We also have videos going up on our YouTube channel. You can subscribe at youtube.com slash leshangoutpod to catch them. Les Hangout is an independently produced show hosted by us with audio production by me. Our production assistant is Kristen Murison and Twitter shenanigans by Lee Holmes Foster. If you want to help support our little independent team, the first thing you can do is free is easy. It's leave us a rating or a review on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. A, we like reading the reviews and B, it really helps new people find the show. If you want to join our Patreon, we would love to see you there at bit.ly slash lespatreon. That means you get access to our Discord chat for patrons only, all of our bonus episodes, and our Les Essentials watch parties. If you want to buy some Les Hangout merch, we have all of our designs up in our Tee Public store. You can get them on so many different items like items of clothing and tote bags and all sorts of good stuff. You can find that at bit.ly slash lesshop. Remember, we have a queer production company making queer podcast musicals with guaranteed happy endings that you can find everywhere at at dollarbeanprod. You can also check out our website, dollarbeanproductions.com. You can listen to all the episodes of our first show, The Flame, on any podcasting app. And if you want to help support us making more musicals, you can join our Patreon at bit.ly slash dollarbeanpatreon. If you want to follow us individually, you can follow me at you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Ellie Brigida. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at LSH Foster. With that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's, let's hang, hang out, out again, again soon. soon. Let's hang out.